Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. I have to give you adequate warning that uh, starting next week, uh, beginning of July, you're going to have to do without me for a week. You can watch replays and reruns. And if there's any major, major, major breaking developments, uh, maybe I'll come back out of vacation and, uh, and uh, uh, do a podcast. But um, we're scheduled to take the month of, of July off. Actually, I'll be back the very end of, of July, but three and a half weeks or so. And today I'm talking about impeachment. You know I defended Donald Trump when he was impeached the first time on grounds of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. And we, we won that uh, impeachment. And uh, today I'm going to talk about how some of the same Republicans who were adamantly opposed to impeaching uh, President Trump on grounds of abuse of power <laughs> are now trying to introduce to um, impeach um, President Biden on, on what grounds? Abuse of power, the same grounds. Hypocrisy knows no bounds. But speaking of impeachment, when I spoke uh, last week at the uh, Chilmark Library after they had banned me and banned my books because of my defense of Donald Trump, um, uh, a guy in the audience presented me with a, a gift. And the gift was a sign that he had seen all over the island when I was opposed to uh, Trump's impeachment, apparently as, as recently as this year and last year, these signs were on the island. Impeach Alan Dershowitz. He must go. It's the right thing to do. Now, what I can be impeached from, I don't know. I don't hold any office. And what the grounds for impeachment uh, might be, I don't know, but uh, they wanted me to be impeached. And so a friend of mine did a mock-up of a new one he wanted to put up, and he he wanted it to say, teach, instead of impeach, teach Alan Dershowitz. And I was going to say, argue with Alan Dershowitz, but uh, these folks want to impeach me. I guess they want to kick me off the island. I'm not going anywhere. I've been here 53 years. Came here to represent a Democrat, uh, Ted Kennedy, Worked to represent a Democrat, Bill Clinton, on the island in the late 1990s. Worked on uh, Alan Cranston's case, um, him a liberal uh, Democrat. Lived right next door to Barack Obama uh, when he was president, another liberal Democrat. He wrote me a, a very nice note on my 75th birthday saying, keep doing mischief. I don't know if he still approves of the mischief of mischief I did by defending Donald Trump. But let's let's talk about impeachment. Okay. As you probably know, if you've listened to my show, um, I am a strict constitutionalist. I believe that the Constitution means what it says. And the Constitution is very clear what the only grounds for impeachment of a president are. It's treason, bribery, 
or other other high crimes and misdemeanors. And that other high crimes and misdemeanors has a clear meaning. It means crimes and misdemeanors other like bribery and treason. And so if you haven't been charged with a high crime or a high misdemeanor akin to treason or bribery, you're not impeachable. And I argued that and think I persuaded some senators, a number of them came over to me afterward. Well, some of them were my students, but not all my students uh, voted for me. Uh, Mitt Romney was my student. He voted against me. But um, the uh, majority of Republicans, almost all the Republicans, almost all, not Mitt Romney and I think one other, uh, voted my way. But the vast majority of Republicans uh, agreed that you couldn't impeach a president unless he committed criminal type conduct akin to treason and bribery. Not anymore. Now that we have a Democratic president, the shoe doesn't fit comfortably on the other foot. So you get uh, Representative Lauren uh, Robart of um, Colorado introduces a resolution calling for the impeachment of President Biden on precisely, precisely one of the same grounds that she was against when the Democrats were trying to impeach President Trump. That ground was abuse of power. Abuse of power, those words exactly, were used to try to impeach Trump, failed. Now, Robart wants to use those words, the exact same charge, the exact same article of impeachment to impeach uh, Joe Biden. Now, the second article is a little bit different. The second article is dereliction of duty. Now, if any of you remember my argument, you'll remember that I dealt with that issue of dereliction of duty. At the Constitutional Convention, I read every single word of the Constitutional Convention. I read all the constitutional debates in the states as well on the issue of impeachment, because many state constitutions also had impeachment provisions. And of course, all the state legislatures had to vote on the United States Constitution. So there was a proposal, several proposals. One, to uh, impeach on the ground of maladministration, which sounds to me very much like dereliction of duty. There were also proposals to impeach on the ground of malpractice for neglect of duty, neglect in the execution of his office, as well as maladministration. And the father of our constitution, James Madison, strongly opposed all of those grounds. Why? He said, if you allow maladministration or anything like that, which is what one of the grounds now is, dereliction of duty, same as maladministration, if you allow that, then it's so vague and open-ended that it'll be up to Congress who serves in the presidency. And we will become like the British parliamentary system, which we just had a revolution not to accept. And so it was withdrawn. And, and, and the Constitution does not permit, does not permit impeachment on the ground of dereliction of duty or maladministration or neglect in the execution of his office or neglect of duty. That's as clear as day. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the law is. It doesn't matter what the Constitution says. 
All that matters is who is in power and who controls the House and who controls the Senate. Exactly what Alexander Hamilton described as the greatest danger of all. What he said was the greatest danger is that the impeachment power would turn on who had the most votes. And that's exactly what happened. The Democrats had enough votes to impeach President Trump and the Republicans have enough votes to impeach President uh, Biden. Now, Jim Jordan, who's chairman of the Judiciary Committee, has said we should consider impeaching Biden, but let's wait. Let's not interfere with the investigation of what's going on outside of the impeachment context. And he's absolutely right about that. There are potential grounds for investigating Biden. Indeed, if some of these grounds turn out to be true, and I don't think they would be, but if they were, there might very well be grounds for impeaching President Biden. Perfect example. If President Biden was actually sitting next to Hunter Biden, he wasn't president at the time, but if Mr. Joe Biden, Mr. Joe Biden, between the time he was vice president and the time he was president, was sitting next to his son and was aware, not enough that he was sitting next to his son. You could be sitting next to somebody and somebody could be typing away. You don't, you don't, you don't know what they're saying. But if, if Joe Biden was aware that Hunter Biden was writing a message to a Chinese businessman threatening him, saying, unless you do the deal, basically, unless you pay me the money, I'm going to sick my father on you. My father's the former vice president. He might become the president. If Joe Biden knew that his name was being used by his son to extort a businessman to make payments, then the interesting question arises, could that be an impeachable offense if it took place before Biden became president? So there are two questions. One is extortion, three questions. Would that be extortion? I think the answer to that is probably yes. Assume for purposes of argument, the answer to that is yes. The second question is, is extortion of that kind a, an impeachable offense? The answer to that is clearly yes. Extortion is exactly the kind of high crime that is akin to bribery. In fact, bribery and extortion are two sides of the same coin. Um, when you extort somebody, then essentially they bribe you. Um, so often you hear of, of indictments for extortion and bribery together because they're, they're uh, related crimes. So, so yes, the answer to the second question is yes. Uh, this could be extortion and extortion is an impeachable offense. So the, sec the third question, and the one we we just don't know the answer to, is can an impeachable offense be committed by a former vice president, future president during the interregnum, between the time that he was the vice president and the time he was president? In other words, can an impeachable offense be committed by a private citizen? The closest we come to having an answer to that question is not very close. Closest we come is Spiro Agnew. You old enough to remember who Spiro Agnew was. He was the very colorful vice president of the United States under Richard Nixon. Uh, and um, 
one of the barriers to impeaching Richard Nixon were people were afraid that Spiro Agnew would take over, but that was taken care of. So what happened was this. They did an investigation of Spiro Agnew. The investigation occurred while he was vice president of the United States. And it uncovered bribery and extortion while he was the governor of Maryland. That is, before he became vice president of the United States. But the investigation occurred while he was vice president for crimes that occurred while he was governor, not, not vice president. And purposes of the Constitution, that would mean he was essentially a private citizen because it didn't matter if you're governor of a state or a private citizen. You're not the president. You're not the vice president. So the question comes up, if Biden were guilty, I'm not saying he is, if he were guilty of accessory to extortion, accessory to bribery, remember again how bribery and extortion relate to each other. With Agnew, the allegation was he extorted a bribe. That is, he said, unless you bribe me, I will put you out of business or whatever the exact evidence was. But so it was an extortion for a bribe. So he was involved both in extortion and bribery. Would that be the same? It wouldn't be exactly the same with Biden because Biden was a private official and so was and so a private person, not an official. And so it was Hunter Biden. And you can't bribe a private official generally. For it to be bribery, it has to be a public official, governor of Maryland or vice president of the United States. But I can't be bribed. Maybe I could be. I don't know. If I told somebody, if you pay me a million dollars, I'll get your kid into Harvard. I couldn't do it anyway, even if I wanted to. But let's assume somebody paid me a million dollars to get the kid into Harvard. Would that be bribery? Probably not. It would probably be something else. But maybe in some jurisdictions it might be bribery. But generally bribery requires some governmental connection. What the question remains, do you have to commit the impeachable offense while you're president of the United States? Now, we don't know the answer to that question as the result of the Agnew case, because Agnew made a plea bargain. Uh, he plea bargained much the way Hunter Biden plea bargained. He plea bargained to only a single tax felony. But part of the plea bargain, I knew his lawyer, part of the plea bargain was that he would resign as vice president of the United States. And so he did resign as vice president of the United States, and therefore he was not impeached. And we don't know what would have happened had he refused to resign and had he been impeached. Could he have been impeached for committing extortion, bribery? Couldn't not on, probably not on the basis of what he pleaded to. It was a no low contendere plea. No low contendere just means I'm 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 not going to contest it. It's it's a variant of the plea of guilty, but it can't be generally used against you. So. Uh, but let's assume he hadn't made a plea bargain and they had impeached him on grounds of bribery and extortion that occurred while he was the governor of Maryland. Would that be a constitutional ground for impeachment? The answer to that is clear. We don't know. That's the answer. We don't know. Anybody who tells you they know, I have to tell you, I read all these debates and I don't remember. Maybe it came up, but I don't remember that issue ever coming up. The issue did come up in some debates as to the following. What if you're a private citizen, you're running for president, you're running for president, 
and you commit a crime, say bribing electors, um, and you're elected president on the basis of bribing electors, um, could you be impeached after you got into office? And I think the answer to that is, is clearly yes. Now, any of you who saw the play Hamilton or has read the history of Hamilton, I'm reading a fascinating book now on Alexander Hamilton called The Jewish World of Alexander Hamilton. Probably you know that he was born to a woman who might very well have converted to Judaism before his birth. She was married to a Jewish man. And Hamilton lived in many ways a life that was very closely connected to the to the Jewish community. He was the lawyer for most of the prominent Jewish merchants in, in New York, uh, apparently spoke Hebrew, um, um, uh, was able to recite the Ten Commandments in their original language Hebrew. You know, again, nobody knows exactly the extent of his association with, with, with Judaism. He went to Hebrew school um, in the Caribbean um, and, um, and uh, his mother was not buried in a Christian cemetery. The whole book goes into all the arguments about his connection. It's, it's not 100% uh, certain. In any event, um, uh, we, we, we know that there were, there were allegations of considerations being paid in the election of 1800. Uh, you know, Hamilton turned that election around. Um, if, if you don't remember history, Burr and Jefferson tied. They both had the same number of electors because there was a screw up in the Constitution. The great writers of the Constitution made a big blunder. <laughs> they allowed the electors, in fact, compelled the electors uh, to vote for president or vice president. And so in the end, the man running for vice president, Aaron Burr, had exactly the same number of electoral votes as the man running for president, Jefferson, even though people voted for Jefferson for president. Burr said, screw them, hell with that. I got enough votes, I'm going to be president. And it took Hamilton's intervention. Hamilton, of course, hated um, Jefferson's views. Jefferson you know, was an agrarian uh, southerner. Hamilton was uh, a commercial uh, northerner. One was a federalist, the other was an anti-federalist, all, all of that. Um, but Hamilton believed that Burr was not a man of character and Jeff Jefferson was a man of character. Well... He owned slaves and maybe had sex with them, but that didn't really count in those days as not being a man of character. He could keep his word, whereas um, a bar was regarded as somebody who could not keep his word. There were allegations, however, that maybe there were other considerations at play which led some electors to, you know, if that had ever been proved, and if it would have been proved that Jefferson had paid, or on his behalf, people had paid with his knowledge, uh, considerations to people to vote for him, that probably would have been an impeachable offense. Tilden Hayes election, other elections like that. Um, and of course, there are all these allegations now about this past election as to whether or not promises were made to false electors. That's being investigated now, obviously, particularly in Georgia, but also in Washington, D.C., but what we don't know, and we still don't know the answer, if anybody tells you they know the answer, tell them, yeah, right. Uh, they don't know the answer. Whether or not Biden could be impeached if it were to be proved that he committed what would otherwise be an impeachable offense while he was a private citizen. So 
we're gonna we're gonna leave that. The point I want to make before I go to questions is what what hypocrites? What hypocrites? You get Republicans who voted clearly against the impeachment of Trump on the ground that they didn't charge him with a high crime or misdemeanor. That was the grounds of their vote. And now they're doing exactly the same thing to Biden. No shame, no fear of being called a hypocrite. Hey, it's power. You know the old joke. I don't want to repeat it here because it's a little off color, but it has to do with dogs and testicles and et cetera. And the punchline is because they can, because they can. And that's what Republicans and Democrats do. They vote without principle on the basis of partisanship, on the basis of personal gain, because they can, because they can. And that's a sad state of affairs in America. Okay, let's turn to some questions. I got some really good questions uh, today. Okay. If evidence arises, ah, this question is exactly what we just talked about. So I'll just read it and you, you know the answer. If evidence arises that a president committed bribery before taking office, is it an impeachable offense, etc.? Is there a difference between impeaching a president who committed press bribery as a private citizen and committing past bribery while in public office? Uh, and what about would it be constitutional to impeach a president for a past crime that was known to the public? Prior to the election, that would be, for example, Whitewater, uh, where there was evidence that uh, Bill Clinton may have been complicit. It was never proved, but let's assume it had been proved. And then he was elected president, and then he was impeached for that. This writer says, no, if people voted for him based on the knowledge, he can't be impeached. There's nothing in the Constitution about that, although it makes some sense from a policy point of view. But it's a it's a question we don't know the answer to. Mr. Dershowitz, whenever you were facing underage sexual allegations, underage sexual allegations, did that affect your acceptability among the liberal establishment on Martha's Vineyard? And the answer is absolutely not. Everybody who knew me on Martha's Vineyard, no matter what they thought of my politics or defending Donald Trump, I don't know a single person on Martha's Vineyard who believed the allegation against me that was uh, made by you know, the lawyers and, and that woman. They all knew me. They knew my wife. They saw me and my wife together. They knew I never flirt. They knew I was not that kind of person. I don't know a single person on the vineyard that actually believed the allegations were true. Some wished it were true when I defended Trump, but nobody actually uh, uh, believed it. Um, or at least nobody that I know of believed it. I, I can't imagine anybody who knows me believed it. Now, of course, it's uh, been clearly established that she admits she may have mistaken me for someone else. Um, okay. Honestly, Alan, you might as well represent Trump. Doing so would solidify your place in history as one of the nation's greatest champions for justice, the fair rule of law and the Constitution. It's not like any of those SOBs on Martha's Vineyard would ever take you back, even if you repented your political incorrectness on a bended knee. I'm afraid that ship has sailed. Yeah, and I was on it. And I'm happy that uh, ship has sailed because it's, it's been a thrill to me that I don't have to associate with any of those people anymore. I used to associate with them largely because, you know, they were on the vineyard and then we would go to events together and I have to be polite and say, say hello. But for the most part, they were unbelievably stupid, pig-headed, 
uh, and and uh, intolerant. So thank God I am uh, rid of them. And there's nothing that would ever bring me back into their uh, company, even if you um, uh, if they wanted me to. Dude, if you support due process over the ends justifying the means, then you're not a liberal in the 2023 sense of that word. I don't agree with you. I think there's still a few of us left, even in 2023. A few of us who are still liberals. I agree that the vast majority of people who used to call themselves liberals are now radicals, progressives, intolerant, McCarthyites, etc. But there are some liberals still left who do believe in due process. I haven't come across any yet, but I haven't given up. No, I have come across a few, but not very many. So far, I can count them pretty much on one hand. But we'll see. Maybe respect for due process, respect for the rule of law. We'll come back one of these days. Uh, Mr. Dershowitz, Brett Baer, Fox News, recently interviewed Donald Trump about the classified documents case. Could Mr. Trump's statements to Mr. Baer be used against him during the trial? Absolutely. Without a doubt, they're voluntary. They're made of their admissions. They probably can't be used in his favor. You can't use hearsay testimony of something you said that helps you. But if the prosecution believes that something you said uh, proves your guilt, it, it can be used. That's why lawyers are constantly telling their clients, no talking. We'll talk in court. Oh, we won't talk in court. Great show. I grew up during the Nixon era and heard about all about Watergate and the Pentagon Papers. You enlightened me on a lot of history that I did not know. Uh, I love that about your show. I also love your personal history of your legal endeavors, often involving the history that you're talking about. Well, I enjoy reminiscing about the good old days. They weren't all that good, but pretty good. Uh, those of us who were in the army in Vietnam viewed Ellsberg as a villain because the left wanted the war to fail. However, it is also true that Ellsberg helped show that a limited war limits the chances to win. The politicians and generals were very dishonest and Vietnam veterans were greeted by civilian Americans with hostility and indifference. I remember that very well. I was opposed to the Vietnam War. I defended a lot of uh, conscientious objectors and people who were indicted for their opposition um, uh, to the war, but I never, ever disrespected a veteran. I don't care what the veteran did. They were drafted. They put their life on the line. It may have been the wrong war. That's not their fault. I think Americans have to honor every veteran. Um, and uh, that's why Memorial Day is an important day uh, for all Americans. And that's why I still continue to support the home base, which is a Boston Red Sox um, charity that helps uh, veterans who are struggling with PTS and, and other uh, afflictions that resulted from their heroic efforts during the war. So no matter what the war is, no matter whether I approve of the war or not, I am pro-veteran, just like I'm pro-policeman, pro-FBI agent, even if I disagree with some of the things they do. Um, that's why I generally have represented over the years people who have put their lives on the line for us on a pro bono basis. I have a flag behind me somewhere that was presented to me by a major in the U.S. Army who was falsely charged with uh, a killing a civilian during um, the war. And I proudly defended him when we won the case. And he gave me a flag that had been flying over his base 
uh, has um, a, a, that was my fee. Uh, and um, so I, I have that, have that flag. Um, professor, the states of Missouri and Louisiana, along with various other plaintiffs, are suing the Biden administration over censorship on social media. The suit alleges that social media companies censored the opinions of tens of thousands of Americans at the behest of various government agencies. Is it not vital that a case like this makes its way to the Supreme Court so that the issues of censorship in the age of social media can be dealt with? I couldn't agree more. I agree that if the government put its thumb on the scale of uh, free speech and if the government acted even indirectly as a censor of, of free speech, and we know there's some evidence uh, of that when it comes to medical information. Now, you know, you might argue medical information is a little different that the government really does have a stake in making sure that people are not misinformed about the eff efficacy of vaccines and about the contagious nature of COVID and all of that. But, you know, once you open the door um, to that kind of indirect government censorship, there are so many other things that one could argue the government has a stake in and therefore they ought to put their thumb on the scale. I don't agree with that. I think if the government wants to censor it or to do it overtly and directly so that I can sue them. Uh, but when they do it indirectly by a quiet phone call or a threat, it has a double negative effect. Number one, it, it works. It chills free speech. And number two, we can't catch them and we can't bring lawsuits and we can't figure out what, what, has uh, the government really been doing? So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that uh, uh, th that lawsuit does make its way up to the Supreme Court. And I, I'm pretty clear if the evidence supports it, um, uh, that the Supreme Court would rule that um, the government cannot implicitly try to censor speech that would otherwise be protected by the uh, First Amendment. Um, so these are, these are great questions and keep them coming. Um, and remember again that you gotta get your film me this week, tomorrow and the next day, cause starting next week, I'm gone for a little bit of time. Um, my wife and I are going off to listen to some good music and um, get a break from our usual place. And we're gonna be where we don't have easy access to the um, internet and computers. So you can watch me on, on rerun uh, or you can talk about me. Um, and as I said, if there's any major breaking events, for example, if the Supreme Court were to come down with its decision on race-based affirmative action, I think I would find a way of expressing my very strong views about that opinion. But you still got two days of me, so get your fill and then you got to get used to uh, doing without me for, for a month. I'll miss you, but I'll see you tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.